We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me shortly is Chris Biederman of the Sacramento Bee, and we're sponsored by Cooper's Brewing. You can visit the brewery in person. You just roll up there. There's a new batch of Candlestick Chronicles Hazy IPA out right now. Go get some for you. Go get some for all your friends. It is Christmas. It's a perfect Christmas gift. You don't have to wrap it. You can just pull up with the four pack with the bow on top and you can get it at the brewery. If you can't pull up to the brewery, that's okay. You can go to cooperagebrewing.com and you can order Candlestick Chronicles and any of their other delicious beers that have to be 21 and up and in the state of California. But if you can, if you're in California, they will ship it directly to your front door at cooperagebrewing.com. It's the way to go. It's the best way to get beer and it's the best way to get the best beer. Cooperage Brewing. All right, we have a Brock Purdy game to talk about. Let's dive in. Blue Wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. Niners 35, Buccaneers 7. And if you told me before the game the Buccaneers were going to score 7 points, I would have bought it. And I would have been like, of course, their offense stinks. And the 49ers defense is good. So that tracks. If you told me the 49ers scored 35 points, I either would not have believed you. Or I would have thought that they scored multiple defensive touchdowns. Or maybe a special teams touchdown and a couple defenses, something like that. But no, it was the Brock Purdy show. I was, I don't want to say expecting the worst with Brock Purdy, but I was definitely expecting to see a little bit of a regression from his three quarters against the Dolphins. And I was astounded by how well they played. It's pretty wild, right? Because it's insane. The the things he was doing don't feel like fluky. Like it wasn't like, Oh, Brock Purdy's just throwing a wide open dudes and Kyle Shanahan has a defense spinning. It was Brock Purdy evading pressure and hitting dudes on the run. 
it was Brock Purdy seeing Christian McCaffrey or Brandon Ayuk open potentially for a touchdown, staring down the barrel, knowing he's going to get hit on both plays and making throws on the money for touchdowns, right? Like yep. it was actual like winning NFL quarterback stuff. It wasn't just like, you know, like this game to me, I think there are parallels for, for a lot of reasons, but also a lot of differences. But this felt to me like Nick Mullins against the Raiders in 2018 when he made his first career start. Mm. But the obvious differences were the style of it. Like that one was like, oh man, Nick Mullins played really well. But Nick Mullins wasn't like make, it didn't feel like Nick Mullins was making plays in the same way that Brock Purdy was today, if that makes sense. Like Nick Mullins was kind of running the offense. And and there was, obviously there's an element of Brock Purdy just running the offense and being a game manager. But like Purdy making guys miss, extending plays, hitting guys, you know, he hit Debo Samuel for a, for a check down that ended up being a first down in a play that looked like it was going to result in nothing. He had George Kittle um, over the middle. I think it was on the second possession the on the touchdown drive. I think I, f- I forget which drive it was exactly, but there were just I think a it lot was the of first drive. Yeah. Yeah. There were just a lot of examples of Purdy being a little bit more than a game manager and like actually making plays. And that to me was the most surprising part because my expectation was, you know, Purdy's really experienced. I think he's going to be able to run the offense to a certain degree, but ultimately like he's pretty limited physically. Like you're pretty limited by maybe a lack of arm strength, maybe a a lack of like quick twitch athleticism. I.e., he's, he's a white guy Uh, or, you know, whatever, like, but Purdy is actually making plays like he's making guys miss and hitting his check downs and just continuously moving the chains and making big plays, you know, for touchdowns <laughs> and like making really aggressive throws downfield, which we typically haven't always seen from the guy he's replacing Jimmy Garoppolo. So um, it was it was really impressive. I do have questions about just like the long term sustainability of it. like. You know, is Brock Purdy just like a good NFL quarterback who's going to be like starting for the 49ers or somebody else next year? Like, is is Brock Purdy now a starting level quarterback that I'm I'm not willing to go there yet? Like over a prolonged sample, is this going to is this going to last? That's a different conversation. But in terms of the way he played today, way surpass what my expectations were. For me, the floor is lifting. Like that's, that's a good way to put it. I agree with like that. the where this team can go. Like it's not going to be Nathan Peterman. Like, are there going to be some games down the stretch here where maybe he struggles a little bit? Like, yeah, I think so. Like, I still think that's on the table, but now my idea of what Brock Purdy struggling looks like is dramatically different than it was going into this game. Like I thought today was going to be a minor disaster. Where it's like, yeah, they won, but because the Bucks scored seven and they got a defensive touchdown and Purdy let them do a field goal like late in the game. That that was along the lines of what I was thinking. Super wrong. Been there before. Um, but it's just like it's clear he has enough of a grasp of the offense and just of a feel for football that I don't think it's ever gonna be like Defcon, I don't know the Defcons. Defcon three is that the worst one? I don't know. It's never going to be like catastrophically bad. 
And that's a plus for a team that all they need at quarterback to win on a given day is a quarterback that's not catastrophically bad. Yeah. And now I'm I was already in the camp of like, yeah, I mean, I guess they could compete for a for a Super Bowl, but they may not make the playoffs. Now I'm firmly back in the camp of like, yeah, the, are they gonna play perfect every game? Probably not, but like the margin of error is a little bigger than I thought it was. And that's that's a pretty significant deal when you're starting the 262nd pick in the draft in his rookie season. Is I was consistently blown away today. Like and the fact here, let me let's 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 talk about the interception he threw that got called back for a really ticky-tack defensive holding. So that was a play where Tampa Bay had a defensive lineman drop back into the middle of the field in coverage. And there was a defender in a spot that Purdy did not expect there to be a defender, and he just threw it right to him. And that's kind of what I thought would happen multiple times on Sunday, and it happened the once. And it gets called back, and Purdy, instead of bottling up into a shell and just checking down and just trying not to make a mistake, on the next pass, flings a deep touchdown. And got crushed. Yeah, got smoked as he was doing it by like a 330 pound guy <laughs> it was it was not just like the play in a vacuum is 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 terrific but the fact that he did that right after throwing a pick was like there's just intangible stuff here that matt like that matters i hate the idea of like this guy's just got it like this guy can do stuff like <laughs> i usually hate that but if there's any result like, okay, hey, you get new life, you got bailed out on this bad interception. If there's any result you want after that, it's to have the stones to step back in and with pressure in your face, throw a touchdown. Right. Like that's that's big time shit. And does that mean they're gonna go win the Super Bowl? I'm not no, I'm not gonna go bet on them to to win the title. But when you're talking about what this team can do and and what kind of the cap is on their season. I think you have to pull the cap off now, whatever you thought it was, because there's clearly room for growth. Right. So I, I think I think you, you you make good points. I think one thing that we need to mention as just important to the discussion surrounding quarterbacks in the NFL and, and how we how we evaluate them is like what what makes an elite quarterback is somebody and I've said this to you before but probably I, I don't think I've said it on the pod in a while so just like a refresher or whatever sure like can you be a top 5 guy year in and year out right can like if you're an elite quarterback you are elite every year sort of regardless of circumstances right because we've seen it and that that's sort of why I bring up the Nick Mullins point the Raiders game, like there are a lot of quarterbacks who can have really good games, but can mm -hmm. you sustain it? Can you continue to play well while the league adjusts to you? Can you, um, you know, continue to do it? Can you readjust when the league adjusts to you? Can you fix mm -hmm. what you're bad at? Can you hide your tendencies or overcome your tendencies? Right. Because as you play, defenses have more of a sample to work with when they're preparing for you and they can scheme up different things. And obviously, mm -hmm. you know, the Buccaneers had seen 
Brock Purdy play three quarters against the Dolphins, and they generally know what Kyle Shanahan's offense looks like. So the mm-hmm. the big question about Brock Purdy, and this is like the the unknowable thing about any quarterback, really, is like, can this be sustained? And that's ultimately going to be the question, right? Because based on, like if Brock Purdy can do this type of stuff every week, he can be a starting quarterback in the NFL. Yes. Like if he can make plays and make guys miss and hit his checkdowns and turn plays that look like disasters into 11 yard gains, like there's absolutely a spot for that in the league. But maintaining that is the hardest part. And that's what separates the good quarterbacks from the bad ones, because generally there's a level of competency required just to get in the league. Right. right. And so for when you say like the floor is lifted, like, okay, now we have a baseline for like what we know Brock Purdy is capable of. And is he capable of this week in and week out in the NFL as defensive coordinators have more film to evaluate? Or is this a one-off thing and ultimately your life in the NFL is going to be as a backup quarterback like Nick Mullins has turned into? Because when Nick Mullins had his game against the Raiders, and I know the Raiders were awful you know, the Bucks were the first place team in their division with the top 10 defense and really good players. The Raiders were one in six going into that Thursday night game. Right. And they were kind of a laughing stock. Right. So like, but ultimately we learned, okay, Nick Mullins was pretty limited and not a guy who was going to play at that same level as he did in that first start in 2018 throughout his career. And that's why he's, he's a backup still. Mm-hmm. So I'm not closed off to the idea of Brock Purdy actually being like a quality starting quarterback. It's like, I joke to you and Nick in the group chat, like maybe this, maybe there's a case Keenum moment coming, right? Like in the 20, what was that? The 2017 playoffs of Minnesota. I think you want to play like case Keenum, the case Keenum led Vikings. They beat the saints in that miraculous finish. Yeah. And then they they got Molly by the Eagles the next week. Yeah. I think that that was 2017 or 2018. It was the year the Eagles won the title. Yeah. But like Case Keenum wasn't, I don't believe he was a starting quarterback to to open the season for Minnesota, I think. Was that the Teddy Bridgewater, Sam Bradford year? I forget. Anyway, that's my point being like, we've seen Case Keenum do it in the playoffs. Brock Purdy, like winning a playoff game or two. Like, if this is what it looks like, like it's certainly possible. And the Niners defense is certainly good enough. And Brock Purdy's skill guys are certainly good enough. So I, I think. There's plenty of reason to be optimistic, but I'm certainly not going to jump the gun and be like, all right. You know, I, I had one buddy in a group chat text today, like Brock Purdy's already better, better than Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was, I think it was a joke, but it was like, yeah, you could look at that and say, you know, Jimmy's not making those throws, but Jimmy was a, consistently a pretty good quarterback over a substantial period of time. That's it. And that's, that's just right. like, that you when you when you said like it's about what you can do week over week, that's why I'm not gonna sit here and say, well, he's not gonna do that again, because I didn't think he was gonna do what he did today. Right. So, uh, all right, <laughs> cool. But on the other hand, I'm not gonna sit here and say like, oh, he's their new QB one of the future. Like right. that's just like, let, can I see it? Can I see it first? Like that's that's what I mean, he's got to go to Seattle now in a short week. Yeah, that's hard. That's really really difficult. And if he performs really well in that environment, 
in a game where the 49ers can win and clinch their division, then like check another box. Like that's that's what this is. And if it crashes and burns eventually, okay. It's your but, third string quarterback. <laughs> right. There's and that's what okay, so that's that's how remarkable this team is. Like let's let's set Brock Purdy to the side for a minute. This is just with the coaching staff, with the talent they've accumulated, especially on the defensive side, and then with their offensive weapons and what Purdy is required to do to to keep the offense moving efficiently. How many teams? I, I just I, I said today twenty five. It's twenty five teams that their starting quarterback goes down, their season's over. And yeah. it's probably it's probably more than that, but let's say twenty five. There's 31 teams that if they get to their third string quarterback, their season's definitely over. And super, the 49ers over. and the 49ers just beat the Buccaneers 35 to 7 with their third string quarterback. After beating the Dolphins, the hottest team in the league to that point, 33-17 with mostly their third string quarterback. It's it shouldn't be happening this way and I think that's part of why I has it like I don't want to dive in head first into the Brock Purdy thing because I keep telling what myself like, okay, like going, oh yeah, they, they, they are a legit Super Bowl contender, which is oh, what yeah. I thought they were with Jimmy Garoppolo. And the reason I can't get there now is because like, there's just that part of me going, this doesn't make sense. Like my brain, like you're, you're as a football fan, you're wired to go, oh, a third string quarterback, that team's effed. Like they're done. Push them aside. And then here's just the 49ers. Like it doesn't, I can't wrap like I can't logically be like, okay, yeah, that works. I'm not saying it can't excuse me. I'm not saying it can't. I'm just not, I can't bring myself to be like, yes, the 49ers are Super Bowl contenders. Cause I need to see it first. I just need to, I need to see consistency. So I did a little bit of research on Pro Football Reference. Out of babe, it was 2017. Case Keenum and the right. Vikings. Keenum was the third string quarterback that year. They had oh, Sam wow. Bradford and Teddy Bridgewater started a game. Oh my god, that was 2017. That happened. That team had the number one ranked defense and the number eleven ranked offense in the NFL. Keenum went eleven and three as a starting quarterback. Completed 68% of his throws, 3,500 yards, 22 touchdowns, seven picks in fourteen, uh, 15 games, 14 starts. That's like Hadn't really, that the, feels really analogous. What's that? Hadn't Keenum been in the league for a long time by that oh, point? Oh, yeah, though? yeah. Keenum had been in the league. But like that team just feels like in terms of yeah. recent memory. 25 starts. That feels like the most analogous situation to this one. Yeah, it's the one you can point to, right? Of like, of yeah, good defense like, carrying the yeah carrying the, the yeah. yeah, and like look like you know I'm I'm not I'm not trying to like make this comparison to that 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 it's the same, but like that win over the Saints that the Vikings had in the playoffs is like one of the biggest wins they've had in like franchise history. Yeah. So like weird stuff happens. Minnesota in the miracle, the Minnesota hey. miracle, and then they went and got thrashed by the Eagles, thirty-eight to seven in the NFC Championship game. 
if you take away Case Keenum's eleven and three year for Minnesota that year as the starter, he is eighteen and thirty two as a starting quarterback. Right. And went eleven and three. <laughs> right. Since but that, that year, but that that like I, I feel like 17. Case Keenum and Brock Purdy, like I think that's a very fair comparison to make right now. Mm-hmm. In terms of like, yeah, you can win games with Case Keenum potentially, but that doesn't mean Case Keenum's a long-term starting quarterback in the league. Right. Well, and then just to that point, and again, this is where when, because the this 49ers team, you have to talk about them in the scope of Super Bowl contenders. Yeah. Because that's like, that's what they're supposed to be. And just if when you're, when you're pulling that Case Keenum comp, you know, they, they have the Minnesota miracle at home in the playoffs where they beat New Orleans 29-24. And then that next week in Philly, he has to go on the road in the divisional round and they get waxed 38-7. to Which might be where the, you know, theoretically the right. 49ers like could, could go in the playoffs this year too. <laughs> almost literally go the exact same way. One big so, difference. <laughs> I think that Vikings team was the two seed and they had a bye, I believe. Yeah, because the the oh that was the NFC Championship game. Yeah, so the Eagles the Eagles were the higher seed, obviously, because they hosted. So, um, yeah, Minnesota was the two seed. They were the two seed with Case Keenum as their quarterback. That's wild to think about. They went up seven. I forgot about this. They went up seven nothing in that game and then lost thirty eight seven. Yeah, woof. Um, but anyway, so I think there's plenty of reason to be super optimistic about what you saw from Brock Purdy today. But like in the context of things, it would be a little crazy to be like Niners have their new franchise guy, even though I'm all in on just like the irony and the hilarity of the idea of like the Niners investing $137.5 million in Jimmy Garoppolo, investing three first round picks to replace Garoppolo with Trey Lance, and then ultimately a seventh round guy, the last pick in the draft, Brock Purdy is like their franchise quarterback like that. That idea is just hilarious to me. We're just careening toward the 49ers never picking in front of the fifth round again. <laughs> well, they won't have to trade anything for Brady. A lot of trade backs. They won't have hey, to after watching Tom, after watching Tom Brady today, I'm out. My man was loading up and giving everything he could into some of those deep throws and just horribly underthrowing them. And it's not going to get better. Yeah, my takeaway was was less like I I disagree in that like I just think the situation is so bad and I'm not trying to make excuses for him but just like I didn't watch Brady thinking he was incapable of playing good football and I do think Brady really wants to retire as a 49er. Like I really think Brady wants to play for the Niners. Like taking pictures in the bowels of Levi's Stadium like I've been in we've you and I have been yeah. in that walkway. You take it from the press box to get to the field. There are all these storage areas and there are these big like mural fo- style photos like Just, in the storage areas. It's like old like like retirement ceremony photos and like different like museum display photos. and kind of yeah and kind of like the photos of like Bill Walsh and all of like the 49er like the classic 80s and 90s 49ers that like everybody's seen and Mm -hmm. Tom Brady's pulling out his cell phone and taking pictures of pictures in storage areas. (laughs) It's just a little like Tom Brady loves the 49ers. And I I am very curious to know, I will, I'm sure I'll never get this answer, 
I would love to know if Brady had to pay for any of those tickets, <laughs> any of those hundred tickets that he that he acquired for friends and family coming into this game. <laughs> yeah. You yeah, think he paid? Bet... You think he bought them? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Okay. I definitely do. Would it surprise you if those just happen to be gratis? No. <laughs> that's no, but that's I think, what I'm getting at. <laughs> no, because you get like X amount. Isn't it the thing, right? You get X amount per game. And then if you want more, you got to like ask teammates. And so everybody just wrangled up a hundred and yeah. But if they, if they his didn't parents, want that, his parents play. were in a suite. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> but what is it to Tom Brady's like, what, how much 50 grand? Yeah. I hear oh, it. Right. I'm just, he, look, he's getting that, you know... he's getting that Giselle child support, bro. He's got <laughs> I mean, you know where I'm at with this. I I very much think Brady is going to make a pitch to try to come to the 49ers in the offseason. No, right, right. You've made that abundantly clear. Yeah. I have a more important question. Okay. How many photos do you think Tom Brady has on his phone? I don't even because know I'm how many I have mine. on my phone. I'm looking at mine. I have not deleted photos in like six years. I have 27,000 photos and videos on my phone. Jeez. It's it's too much, and it's all stupid. It's like funny screenshots, and like, I bet if I I have forty one hundred screenshots, I don't need that many screenshots, man. That's so many tweets. But I would put the over under at like five hundred. And some of them are pictures of pictures in <laughs> in storage like areas inside Levi Stadium. It's like his kids. Some funny thing he saw on the way to the game one time. And then pictures of pictures. Like Bill Walsh and Joe Montana in the squat, like talking about a play they're going to run. <laughs> Man. Anyway, um, I think it does. Next speak. time next time I go, I'm going to stand in that spot and take photos and then post it and be like, Tom Brady has this photo on his phone. Honestly, it would be really funny if we both went to a game and just recreated that sequence. <laughs> <laughs> like one of us, like taking pictures of pictures in the storage area, yeah. posting it. Um, so I, Damien Barling, our mutual friend, brought this up Good guy. Um, recently when I was on, I think I was on D-Lo and KC last week. And yeah. And he like he's not the biggest Kyle Shanahan guy. But he was like, look, man, if Kyle Shanahan can win games with Brock Purdy, that's kind of unimpeachable. And I I agree with that in that, like, like, I think Kyle Shanahan's biggest flaw is just evaluating, like, who his franchise quarterback should be, you know? Mm -hmm. But when he has to coach dudes and just maximize whatever quarterback he has, He's really good at it. I just don't know how good he is at like picking his guy. Right. Like to like tie his future to, but like when he's just saddled with like a bad circumstance, it has to, you know, turn chicken shit into chicken salad. Like he's a, he's a really good offensive coach. Mm -hmm. So we've seen it the last couple of weeks. Right. And it was true with Nick Mullins and like, there were a couple good CJ Beathard games in there. If so, I, I'm pretty like this Purdy is pretty continue. impressive. Like to your if point, Brock, like any team playing their third string quarterback, their season will be done. Like the Niners are going to more than likely win their division with their third string quarterback. 
that's just nuts. And if they do it on a Thursday night in Seattle, that'd be really unbelievable. I'm, we talked about this a little bit last week. Like, can Purdy just be Nick Mullins and eliminate the turnovers? Because Mullins had that incredible debut against the Raiders. And then his game log is just like two interceptions, one interception, three interceptions. Then there's fumbles in there too. And he just kind of turned into a turnover machine. If Purdy can just do everything Mullins did sans turnover, they're in a really good spot. So I'm more optimistic now than I was at this time yesterday. Yeah. Um, but again, it's like the other shoe could drop at any moment. And there's going to be a reminder at some point of like, oh, yeah, this is a seventh round rookie. Right. It's just a matter of when that happens and how catastrophic it is. So let's talk about Debo Samuel. Yeah, I was going to say like an important factor in all this is Debo Samuel, who it looks like Kyle Shanahan said after the game to reporters has a high ankle sprain, which is a four to six week injury. I believe the first week of the playoffs is five weeks from today. Recording this Sunday night. Um, That's right. There's four games left. So. Five weeks is right. So this sort of goes back to like, okay, you overpaid for Christian McCaffrey in theory, right? Like you overpaid for running back. But what getting Christian McCaffrey gave you is the opportunity to absorb losing one of your playmakers and Mm -hmm. be in a better spot should that happen. And now this will put that theory to the test over the remaining four games of the season. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. So like Christian McCaffrey had a really good game today. Yeah. Um this Got was like 150 total yards. Yeah, 150. That's that number and that, two touchdowns. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Uh but so I have thoughts on the Debo thing. And it it involves the Jerry Rice sort of and Dante Whitner discussion of Jerry Rice going on Instagram saying, Stop running your guys over the middle. Mm-hmm. I've been critical of Kyle Shanahan and sort of like, I thought he ran Trey Lance too much. I thought that was true when Trey Lance had his first career start and had 16 carries in Arizona and came out of that game with a knee injury. I thought it was true of Trey Lance um, early on this season that he was running too much. I think Kyle Shanahan has a blind spot. And I think his blind spot is the the ability to differentiate between getting guys who are super physical, super aggressive after the catch and guys who can protect themselves. And in Debo Samuel's case, he's just so different in terms of the way he delivers contact and the force that he plays with, particularly when he has the ball in his hands, Mm -hmm. that he's just a completely different animal. But Debo Samuel is also not good at protecting himself. And I would say that's probably true of George Kittle, right? And so there's a balance you need to find between, okay, I want somebody who's going to run through a defender's face and be really difficult to tackle in the open field, but also a guy who's good at protecting himself. And the guy I will always go to on that point is Frank Gore. Mm -hmm. Because the reason why Frank Gore was able to have such longevity in the NFL as a between-the-tackles running back was because he was elite at being able to protect himself and Mm -hmm. avoid taking massive hits and know when it was appropriate to push for extra yardage 
and when it was appropriate to just hit the deck and live to see another day. Mm-hmm. And as much of a positive trait as it is for Kyle Shanahan to want guys like Debo Samuel and George Kittle, who just try to run through everybody's face at, at every time they touch the ball, you put yourself at risk to situations like this, where Debo Samuel's now running between the tackles, getting dragged down by one defensive tackle and then another quote-unquote outside linebacker who's 270 pounds, and his legs get twisted up, and now he's got a high ankle sprain, and he's out for a month and a half. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I would, if I were calling plays, and I'm not going to pretend like I I know anything about football near to the level of Kyle Shanahan, but if I'm calling plays in general, even as important as Debo Samuel's been to the 49ers with his ability to run the ball, I am just limiting the chances he has of getting tackled by multiple 300 pound guys as -hmm. often as I can. Mm -hmm. And that's the same. Like I feel the same way about running Trey Lance up the middle and I totally get the point. Freak things happen when anyone plays football, like Trey Lance could have broken his ankle, whether he was tackled by a safety, a free safety or a nose tackle. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. But like, we do analytics or the NFL does analytics like, you know, what percentage, what, what's the best play in this scenario? What are the percentages say? Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. You can't tell me a guy isn't more likely to get hurt from a probability or per- percentage standpoint running between the tackles where all the 300 pound guys are versus just playing normal receiver and getting tackled by <clears throat> safeties and linebackers and cornerbacks instead of defensive linemen. You know what I mean? So there's like, there's a balance that I think Kyle Shanahan misses with putting guys at risk unnecessarily because they aren't good at protecting themselves. Mm -hmm. And that I think it's a really, really hard thing to find. And you're not going to want to compromise the aggressiveness that guys have after the catch, which is so important to the 49ers offense. Mm -hmm. But you also want to be smart and make sure all your guys are available. And the reason why I would push back on the way Kyle Shanahan uses Debo Samuel, particularly in the running game is like and running between the tackles, is you remember in 2021, before Debo Samuel started being used as a running back, he was leading the league in yards per catch. Like he was a downfield mm-hmm. threat for the 49ers as much as he was a, a bubble screen guy. I think he led the league in yards per catch or wound up leading doing that over the whole year. Right. So like he can be effective for you as a downfield receiver using him as a running back isn't the only way to use him. Mm-hmm. So I'm not, I'm not going to say that Kyle Shanahan like totally screwed this up and Kyle Shanahan's the reason why Debo Samuel got injured. But I am saying, I think Kyle Shanahan needs to cons- needs to find a way to keep his guys healthy instead of just being like, no, our guys are awesome after the catch and we're just going to we're just going to try to maximize that because ultimately like it can hurt you. It can bite you and we've seen it now with the franchise quarterback, quote unquote, and Trey Lance who broke his ankle on a run up the middle and now Debo Samuel who's going to miss a month or month and a half with a high ankle sprain leading into the playoffs. I think if you're not using Debo Samuel that way then you're limiting what makes him effective. Like if teams know they can just sit on him being 
uh, him running to the edges, like it just makes the Niners offense in general easier to defend um, when he's on the field or in particular lined up in the backfield. Um, so I don't have a problem with the play call necessarily. Um, I definitely don't have a problem with using Debo Samuel as a runner. Um, my bigger question than anything, and this speaks to something larger than just the Debo injury is where the hell was Jordan Mason? Like that. If, <laughs> if is this a six pack point, you're, you're asking? no, <laughs> it's a, because I get, so here's, I'm with you. Like, like that's the whole point. It's, it's 20. So it's, it's 21, nothing. Like you have to play. It's 21, nothing in the second quarter. Yeah. Like you, I, I saw takes on the internet and again, it's the internet. So that were like, why are the starters in? Like, cause it's Tom Brady and it's 21, nothing in the second quarter. Like that's outrageous. Right. 28, 28 to three did happen against Tom Brady. Right. right. With Kyle Shanahan in the coaching booth, by the way. So I don't, I don't mind the, the play call. I don't like you're trying to score and, and Debo Samuel is one of your guys. And it was really clear, especially early on, the game plan was, hey, going to lean on George Kittle and Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel. Through most of the second quarter, they were the only guys to touch the ball. And that's that's all fine, but Jordan Mason must be a terrible practice player. That's the only thing I can come up with. Because, to your point, if you want to run between the tackles in that spot, Run Jordan Mason. Yeah. There's no there's no reason or Tevin Coleman, who they brought up off the practice squad, and then I don't think he played. Like what's what's going it doesn't none of that tracks. And Jordan Mason coming into the game in the two games prior was at 13 carries for 76 yards. Like that's good. And then today, he came in late and had 11 for 56 at a point in the game where Tampa Bay knew the Niners were running. Like the guy's really effective when he's in game, so why is he not in the game at that point? And again, that that I would I I would I had that written down before Debo got hurt. Right. That was a question I had prior to that. And then Debo gets hurt, and it only highlights they have other players that can chew up carries. Because it felt like I mean, Debo's touchdown came. He was dotting the eye in the backfield. He was just a running back. And when he got hurt, he was just, it was just a handoff. And his touchdown was an outside run. Right, 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 right. But that's what, so it looked to me though, like Shanahan went, okay, Christian McCaffrey has a knee thing. So we don't want to lean on him too heavy because we got a short week. So we're going to chew up some carries with Debo. And that's, that where the run went or whatever it is, like I get like Debo is a is one of their weapons and you gotta get the ball in his hands and it's only 21 nothing and it's the second quarter. Like all that tracks, I get that. But they had two other healthy running backs who are perfectly capable of yeah. chewing up some carries if that's what you're looking to do. So, so I think philosophically, one thing that we should point out about Kyle Shanahan is like Kyle Shanahan has told he has told us he told the media a few years ago 
most of his running plays are designed to score touchdowns, like no right. matter where they are on the field. Right. Like those running plays are designed to where if they get the right look and they're blocked, there'll be touchdowns regardless. Like it'll be a, wherever you are on the field. So like when Kyle Shanahan is running Debo Samuel, even if they're on, if their 49ers are in their own territory, Mm-hmm. In his mind, his approach to calling those plays is, oh, this is going to be a touchdown if if we get the right look and it's blocked up correctly and everybody wins their blocks. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's... I mean, I get it from a coach's perspective. I get why you have that sort of ethos as like a play designer and play caller. But not every play is going to be a touchdown. There's no way that's realistic in the NFL to be like, yeah, we're, we're this this is all going to be good and we're going to get get a touchdown here. Like, no, there are times where you just need to chew up the clock and go get your four or five yards on a carry mm-hmm. and then go do it again the next play because you need to keep chewing clock and moving the chains. Like, not every run needs to be a kill shot. And that's what I think Kyle Shanahan's trying to do. He's He's taking haymakers or try it like throwing haymakers in the running game where it's like, nah, man, you just need a jab. That right. that's, that's sort of my thing is like, you don't, you don't need to use Debo Samuel that way. Like the, the more important thing than trying to score a touchdown on this one play is making sure you have Debo Samuel healthy for the playoffs. Right. So that's my point. Like, I don't think Kyle Shanahan's wrong for the way he thinks. I would just, I just think he has a blind spot for it. And like maybe I'm just the the fact that we like watch every... the fact we watch Frank Gore have the career he did and do it for the 49ers for as long as he did, in large part because of just his longevity and his ability to miss big hits mm-hmm. while running between the tackles. Maybe that's colored my opinion too much. But like there's none there's none of that thinking with Kyle Shanahan and ball carriers. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess. I'm just not sure where that like adjustment would be. Is it just to not use Debo as a runner anymore? I mean, for me, like I really like the plays where Debo Samuel's threatening the edges. And I know you don't only want to use him that way, but I mean that's the thing. He's a receiver. So I would use him as a downfield receiver and then use him to threaten the edges in unique ways. Like the play that scored a touchdown the pitch reverse on the the skate technique, the touchdown in Monday night football against Arizona. The Eric branch play. Yeah. The Eric branch play. Like that is the ideal Debo Samuel play to me. Not like sure. not an inside carry. And I know this was like, I think it was a pitch to the left and he cut it back inside. So the play might not have been designed to run inside, but he still had that option. Like, I don't know, man. You, you're paying him a lot of money. He's a really good receiver. Like, is Debo Samuel kind of underrated just as a receiver? Maybe. I kind of think he might be at this <laughs> point because we see him get so many carries and just so many gadget plays. It's like, what if he just like runs routes and like does what Brandon Ayuk does? Like, you yeah, know what I mean? They scored 35 points today. So, right. It's not like, I mean, <laughs> it's not like he's being used poorly or something. No, I, I'm just. I, think, my, I, I just. I, I. I. Maybe it's because I'm not. I don't follow other teams as closely as I do the 49ers. But 
I feel like <laughs> they're the only team in the league where there is a discourse about how a player got hurt. <laughs> That's fair. It's the only, it's like, most of like, damn, that guy got hurt. Okay, moving on. Oh, I hope I didn't just leave the meeting. My cat walked on my computer. There we go. No, you're good. So there's, I feel like it's, most teams are like, oh yeah, that guy got hurt. And with the 49ers, it's like, okay, well, let's assess the play call. And what could have got, like, I don't know. I think it happens with the Bills and maybe Justin Fields <laughs> a little bit with the, no, because Josh Allen's been banged up and he's like yeah. lowering his shoulder and banging into dudes. And Justin Fields is banged up and he obviously gets run more than any quarterback we've seen. I don't know any Bears fan who's like, he shouldn't run. Well, right. he's running too much. That That's not. I know exactly so zero Bears fans who said that. Right. But that's not the issue. The issue is Kenny passed well enough, so you don't have to run him that much. But yeah, I, I think I do think some of those conversations happen. And look, I'm not I'm not trying to like say Kyle Shanahan's wrong for the way obviously Kyle Shanahan's had success. And maybe it's just impossible to tell Debo Samuel to like, hey man, try to avoid taking big hits. Like that might just like <laughs> not be something Debo Samuel's even capable of, which I, I wonder what he would say to that. Right. Like F off? F you? I mean, you don't start like, you want Debo to be Debo, right? So maybe, but I, I don't know, man. I, I just think there's an element. There are things Kyle Shanahan could do to better ensure his key players stay healthy, I guess is my only point. I guess. Like, I, yeah, I don't. But I, like, I'm I with you. Love, if you need I would to, love to know why, I would love to know why Jordan Mason can't get burned until garbage time. Right. And I think that's because a really is, good point. This is three games in a row. Having nothing... Okay, unplugging the Debo Samuel conversation. This is now a Jordan Mason conversation. Because we've seen 24 carries in the last three games. He has 132 yards on those 24 carries. That's five and a half yards a pop. Does he just not know any... Like, does, is there three plays in the playbook he knows? Or does he fumble a lot in practice? Because Shannon mentioned, like, he didn't fumble... A, uh, after after last game, he said something about Mason doing a good job and not fumbling. Does he just is he a bad pass catcher? So the like versatility is gone when he's in there. I don't know, but I would love a good explanation. Do you remember when Kyle Shanahan went on? I think it was Tim Kawakami's podcast and talked about buying houses or house shopping with his wife. No, and he said his wife would get so frustrated with him because they would go house shopping and like, look at all these amazing, beautiful giant houses with all these different amenities and everything. And all he would do was point out what was wrong with each house and what he didn't like about it. Yeah. I feel like that's how Kyle Shannon. Yeah. That's how I feel like that's how Kyle Shannon is with players. And like, that's the point that he he was making. Stop. (laughs) I agree with you. I agree. Because Bill Belichick (laughs) is considered one of the best coaches of all time. And his thing is, don't tell me what you can't do. Tell me what you can do. And Belichick also I'm not the to... best drafter slash talent evaluator, but no, I'm, I totally. agree with you. And maybe a fraud, given <laughs> what's happened post Tom Brady. But, <laughs> but, but <laughs> we know two things are fraudulent in the NFL this year: one, the Vikings; two, Bill Belichick. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! But, but, I, I'm. Yeah, what? Here's 
do you know what Jordan Mason's good at? Running the freaking football. Right. Just get, get figure out the six ways to use them and use them in those six ways a lot of times. Yeah. Like it, you're Kyle Shanahan. You can figure that out. I know he's an avid listener of the pod. He so, loves podcasts. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, I bet he's super locked in. Speaking of speaking of Kyle Shanahan and podcasts, I've been listening to the Carter Three a lot lately. It okay. holds up. You know what else holds up? The movie Rat Race. I'm not having another movie conversation with you, bro. We're not light doing the it. beam and watch Rat Race. <laughs> I'm telling you, light the beam and watch Rat Race. Ridiculous. <laughs> um, do we want to go over the six pack? Yeah, let's go. Uh, real quick before we do that, the 49ers defense is sick today. Again, it was. They didn't even sack Tom Brady. Well, they were credited with a sack. He had. There were probably four plays where his knee was like half an inch from the ground as he was throwing it. Brady's really good at avoiding sacks. Even for, is, like for a guy who cannot move, he's good at avoiding sacks. Just, I mean, he operates in a three foot by three foot box back there, man. Right. But yeah, he just he'd get hit and figure out a way to get rid of it is unbelievable. But the Niners for the second week in a row, Tua came in with three interceptions. The Niners picked him off twice. Tom Brady came in with three interceptions. The Niners picked him off twice. Um, I'm right. Like <laughs> Drake Greenlaw had a pick and 15 tackles. He's been unbelievable. I feel like if you have a bad offensive line, you're just not going to beat the Niners. Yeah, right, because they take away those short intermediate throws so well with Greenlaw and Fred Warner. Yeah, but like uh, you're not going to be able to run the ball, and if you ever get to an obvious passing situation, like you're throwing under duress. Yes, and you have to try and get it over their linebackers, which you probably don't have time to do. Right. It's just it the every the Tampa Bay's touchdown today looked so damn difficult. Like they just labored to get down the field and then needed a weird tipped up in the air reception to get in the end zone. I didn't even think it was a touchdown. I thought Uh, Greg Olson was right when he said that his knee was down when he caught it. But anyway, I I think he was juggling. It didn't matter. Anyways, um, I think the rest were probably like, we don't want to spend too much time on this. Get us the hell out of here. Here's something crazy real quick before we get into the six pack. Did you know the 49ers had... Four, six, eight, eleven possessions today. Two of those possessions ended in 49ers territory. Wow. That's wild. They had really good field position the entire game. Ray Ray McLeod had a really nice game in the return game. Yeah. Ray Ray McLeod, sneaky good addition. He's been playing well. Like since fumbling a lot early in the season, he's he's been pretty good recently. Um, I thought Jimmy Ward was outstanding today. I thought this was Jimmy Ward's best game in the slot. And he might have gotten lucky on the fourth down play. You remember the fourth down in the red zone? Mike Evans. Mike Evans looked like he beat him. I would love to talk to Jimmy about this because what he did after getting beat was run towards the outside, like run to the area that Evans was breaking towards because Evans was looking over his right shoulder like it was an mm-hmm. outbreaking route. And that's sort of like after Ward got beat, that's the direction he ran to to sort of take away that angle for the outbreaking route. Mm-hmm. And then the throw ended up being behind Evans 
Right. Like a back shoulder throw. Yeah. And, but it, and it was obviously low and a bad throw, but like if Ward gets beat there and then plays inside leverage or plays straight up, it's an easy touchdown. But because he got beat and then took outside leverage and sort of took that angle away, I think that was ultimately the reason why the throw was incomplete. Obviously, it was a bad throw from Brady, too. But like that mm-hmm. was after getting beat, I thought that was a good recovery. And maybe I'm totally wrong. Maybe this was just luck. But like I'm giving Jimmy Ward the benefit of the doubt there because he is one of the smartest players ever covered and spoken to. Um, but no, he was everywhere. He was timing up the snap on blitzes. Um, Man, he was going to level Tom Brady. And then he got leveled by Leonard Fournette. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, oh, God. You know what doesn't look like fun is getting a shoulder pad to the gut from Leonard Fournette. Yeah, I was pass on that. (laughs) No, thanks. No, thanks. No, thanks. Um, That was, dude, his ward was laying on the ground there. You could tell that was one of those, I just need a minute injuries. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. I just like the human body isn't supposed to do that. Right. Like, and then I can't breathe. <laughs> I can. I cannot breathe. Like having the wind. Have you ever had the wind like really knocked yeah. out of you? It sucks. It is Good. a bad, bad feeling. Yeah. But um, no, I thought like I thought Ward was excellent. Like he was good in coverage the entire game. And it seems like he's getting a lot better in the slot, particularly better than he was early on in the year. Yeah. Tayshawn Gibson had a pick today. Shout out. He leads NFL free safeties in looking like linebackers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> He's a big dude for a free safety. Is Harrison Smith a free safety? Because Harrison Smith belongs in the convo. I think he's a strong safety. But yeah, no, Tayshawn Gibson is a <laughs> for a, I just mean for a free safety in particular. Right, right. Because like Jimmy no, Ward sure. and Tayshawn Gibson played the same position technically, but Gibson looks Not like he's same 20, 20 pounds heavier. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Gibson looks like a strong safety. Yeah. At, yeah, at, the, at least. Um, okay, six pack. You want to do it? I guess. So, okay, I, I took Samson Ebukam. Yeah. I had Samson Ebukam, Debo Samuel, and Kyle Juszczyk. You had George Kittle, Jordan Mason, and Aaron Banks. Dying to hear your Aaron Banks breakdown from today. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he did a really nice job. Okay, fair. I um, I, one I, of the, well, it helped that I don't, Vita Vea went out early and I don't think he came back in. No, he didn't. And so that was one of the big things was like, can they slow down Vita Vea and keep him from wrecking the game? And he wound up getting hurt super early and never coming back. Right. So that eliminated. But I mean, the Niners ran the hell out of the ball. They ran it 209 yards on 36 carries. Uh, Purdy didn't take a sack. And the offensive line in general, I thought was pretty good. Mike McGlinchey had a whale of a block on (laughs) Debo Samuel's touchdown run he did set the edge yeah i was i actually wrote that down i legitimately was gonna mention it i wrote it down i don't know if you can see it but um yeah is no, that good call by you was that the box score from the game notes printed this out was, with notes on it so this is a official box score from 
your Sacramento State Hornets oh. at UC Davis played at the Golden One Center in a mm. game I covered a few weeks ago. The Tough attendance was 1480, so it was a pretty uh, high-profile contest between two yeah. college hoops teams. Two juggernauts uh, no, in the I, area. I, uh, I just decided to write notes on it because it's what I had available. I thought, because you rewatched the games before we do the pod, just printing so out box I thought, scores. <laughs> I thought I thought you print out the box score and then do a second watch mm, and take mm. notes on. That's what a real football guy would do. That is what a real miss, football guy you, would do. You miss that uh, being in the being in the press box when they come and drop the stats off after each quarter. So you just do it for yourself, right? Exactly. Just like <laughs> all waste all sorts of paper and ink on printing out box scores. <laughs> When everybody in the press box I has say, a laptop open. Dude, I say yes to those every time. And I'm like, I'm never going to look at this because I have it up in a tab on my computer. Right. But I, I'm like, yeah, I'll take one. I like to have them. Um, this is a complete aside. In ba- I, for basketball games, I like to have them because you can have them handy for press conferences. It's less mm-hmm. useful to be like, hey, Kyle, you ran for 43 yards in the second quarter. Like, you know, that doesn't matter. But like basketballs, <laughs> you can look at like second chance points and like offensive rebounds and like important stats like that when you're doing that anyway um okay samson ebukam uh tom brady hit his head on samson ebukam's helmet and then the next play threw that pick to gibson that's ebukam is pretty disruptive for a guy who doesn't get a lot of sacks it's 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 pretty incredible how often he's just around yeah backfield yeah like he gets to he gets to the quarterback like a recurring theme every week is like he's just a hair after Nick Boson getting to the quarterback. <laughs> That's such a like we're being complimentary, but I bet if we told him, like, dude, you were so good at almost getting to the quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you would like that a lot. No, I think he's like, a good dude, player, though. He is. No, he's like you said, he's definitely disruptive beyond the box score. For sure. Yeah, like you can you can have a good pass rush if Samson Ebukam's a starting defensive end for you, which I think is yeah, you know, like he's part of it. Um, Debo Samuel, the touchdown, like you mentioned, was having a nice game. Um, like I really like Debo Samuel as just sort of a checkdown option too. Yeah, there were a couple plays in the first half before he got hurt where it's like, oh, like Brock Purdy makes a guy miss and then hits Debo for. You know, it's a two-yard throw, but ends up being an eleven-yard gain. Yeah, Debo, I think is really good at like breaking routes off and just getting to space. Yeah, like that's that's a very very good skill of his. I pick Kyle yeah. use I pick Kyle Usechek for my last pick because I just thought there would be moments in the game where it's like, oh yeah, Kyle Usechek's throwing like pretty good blocks, and that happened like often. All right, so here's here's what happened with Kyle Usechek today. Is just for you betters out there. Uh, if you're not a better, over unders are where the book sets a number and then you bet on whether it will go over or under that number. They do it for games like point totals, but then they do individual team totals, but they also do individual player props. So Kyle Yuschek's over under on receiving yards was seven and a half. He caught his first pass for six yards. He later caught a second pass for one yard. Dude, if so you're the a Kyle under hit? Check, yes. And if you're a Kyle Juszczyk over better and you see that first catch go for six yards, you're like, give me one more catch, baby. And then you get your one catch and it goes for a yard. 
Ouch. Also, if you're a Kyle Juszczyk over under better, you probably need therapy. You're a degenerate. <laughs> like, have a better relationship with your mother or something. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Hey, if you're a Kyle Juszczyk better, you're fine. <laughs> you're welcome on this pod. Degens uh, everywhere. I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, D- Debo, I think, just has a really good feel for, like, space. Just to find an area where defenders aren't and to get there. Yeah. Yeah. I think Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel are super similar in the way they impact what the 49ers do. Yeah. Yep. I think so. But Christian McCaffrey is a, anyway, I'm not diving back into that. Um, Who won this week? I, man, I don't know. So I had George Kittle and it was really clear early on that they were trying to get him involved, but he wound up with four catches for 28 yards along of 15 like that, the explosive play element just wasn't there in the way I thought it was going to be. Jordan Mason wound up not coming in until late. Uh, 56 yards on 11 carries. And then Aaron Banks, um, like I said, good game from the left side. Although uh, Vita Vea was uh, not a factor, which kind of takes Aaron Banks off the board since my whole thing there was him slowing down Vita Vea, so you can maybe wait we to wait to see what color Aaron Banks's PFF grade is before we <laughs> no you can win this one that's fine okay I have no Jordan idea Mason what... Jordan Mason not playing until garbage time took me out I'm never picking Jordan Mason again Kyle Shanahan could get on the podium and be like or get to the podium and be like hey Jordan Mason's going to run it 30 times this week, and I still wouldn't play him. <laughs> I still wouldn't take him in. I think just that over the final four weeks of the season, it's important for you to take guys you know are going to like at least play a lot. He had eight carries last week. <laughs> I thought they were going to run it a lot this week, and I'm like, hey, A plus B equals C. Jordan Mason is going to get more carries. And apparently he did something bad in practice this week. He's got none. Neither did Tevin Coleman, who was dressed for the game. Ty Davis Price. Oh, Tevin Coleman did get a snap, according to the game book. On offense? Um, was it the was it the maybe not? It might have been formation. I don't know. I don't see him in here. Weird. I don't know. Danny Gray first career catch. Yeah. Hey, game game ceiling catch. Fourth and six gets a ten yard catch. Kneel it out. Clutched up. Uh, also, another thing from post game, <laughs> Brock Purdy apparently has an oblique injury. Oh yeah. And Shanahan kind of made it sound like his status is in question for Thursday, but then Purdy said it tightened up after taking hits. So maybe it's not like a muscle thing. Like a strain, it might just be a bruise. I don't know. I don't know. The Niners are nine and four. Uh, the Seahawks lost at home to Carolina on Sunday. They're seven and six. If the Niners win Thursday night in Seattle, they clinch the division. Correct. And because the NFC South is so bad, the division winner of the NFC West, it looks like, can be no worse than the number three seed. Is that so, right? 
Yeah. Oh my god. Tampa's six and seven. They're leading the division as, as a four seed. Oh my god. That's nuts. So if the Niners win and get to ten wins, that's the best Tampa can get to. Yeah. And the Niners yeah, beat man. Can Atlanta? Yeah, Atlanta's no, already got eight losses. Eight, yeah. So yeah, if the Niners <laughs> win, they, if the Niners win Thursday, they can be no lower than three seed, which I guess is a good Minnesota, point. Minnesota also lost today, though, so the Niners are just a game back at the two seed. Yeah, they could get up to the two seed, but I guess the the point I wanted to make too was that, like, man, if they win Thursday, then you're just kind of like cruise control. You're you're kind of just chilling for the rest of the season, and maybe you can not worry so much about winning these games and just worry about getting your guys healthy and getting Brock Purdy reps. Yep. And, you know, like Washington's good, but the Raiders, Cardinals, Thursday's a big game, obviously. Yes. Thursday's a very, very large, important game. So we will talk about that. I'll be traveling this week. No idea what the pod schedule is going to be like. I'll have my microphone with me on the road. Okay. I'm going north of the border. Oh. Going to Toronto. Canada Gonna gonna catch up with the beam team in Toronto and uh Sick. and then Detroit. So Love I think I'll be you. I think I'll be in Detroit on Thursday night. So um might be late night potting from from Motor City after the Niners game. You'll probably have to fly solo on that one, but we'll figure it out. Okay. Maybe maybe Nick will finally join us for, hmm. for a maybe. after blowing us off. Classic we'll Nick. Classic Nick. <laughs> anyway, all right. Niners win. Good Brock Purdy performance. They can clinch the division with a win in Seattle on Thursday. Dude, they were three and four, and now six weeks later, they have a chance to clinch the division. Six wins in a row. Is that good? Pretty Feels good. Pretty good. Feels pretty good. All right, let's get out of here. Great. Does it feel great, baby? I I don't know. That's what Jimmy Garoppolo says. Oh, is it? Okay. Good okay. stuff. All right. We're this was it. this was a very long pod. Uh, we're getting out of here. Subscribe, rate, and review. We'll talk to you guys later in the week. 49ers have a plus 120 point differential. Feels decent. Feels decent. All right. See you guys. Night, night.